Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. This is the podcast for marketers trying to expand their leadership skills. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I am joined by Eric Holtzclaw. Eric, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. It's another day, and I would love to hear from you how you think marketers need to change, specifically in B2B in 2024. So I shared in the first episode that I'm a recovering technologist and I have been around long enough to see the waves of change that have been around for a very long time. I won't tell you how many of them I've been through, but I've been through a lot of them and everything old is new again. And so we're talking about artificial intelligence and machine language and all these kind of things. And as a marketer in 2024, If you are not embracing this new change, if you are not figuring out where to implement it within your organization, if you're not fully taking advantage of what it can do for you, understanding that it can't replace you, it can't replace you, then you are way behind. Like you got to figure out all the places. We've seen so many efficiencies in that category for us and for our customers such that we, and if you don't do it, your competitors are going to do it and you're going to go the way of Blockbuster. Like make a choice, right? And so I'm really excited about it. I love transformational change. It's my favorite thing to see something like get introduced into the world and like see what it does. I'm not one of these, yeah, something's going to get us eventually. I mean, I thought, you know, if it was a zombie apocalypse, I just want to go quickly. I'll be one of those people who runs towards the zombie. So (laughs) with all of this change, I'm not a survivor. Like when the pandemic happened and realized it might be a slow and painful period, I was like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be the one that like goes first. Like I don't do this. So thinking through the technology doesn't bother me. I'm very excited about it. I've seen such great application of it, knowing that it's going to impact search in a huge way. Like people are going to start circumventing some of your predictable ways of getting to you that you didn't know and think about, right? Like think about often like how many times have you defaulted maybe to an AI tool over a search tool just in recent time? So that is what we have to start thinking about. Like, how do I now, because does that mean this whole content-driven approach is still important? We're going back to like really sexy billboardy like websites and we have to do more with advertising and there's more off-site stuff. And I do see a reticence towards social media and use of social media. So it's not like a platform platform that some groups or people are using that you might want to get to as, as much. So you have to be there, but they're not maybe as addicted. So like, do we now move to more like in real life stuff, (laughs) you know, like experiences, experiences and getting in front of people in a way that's unexpected, you know, cause, and in my work, my, I'm often blamed because when we talk with companies, we talk about their digital presence first. And so they think I have to like remind them. I'm like, no, 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 no. I just want to make sure your digital presence is great. Cause like that's your store, that's your brochure whatever. But that doesn't mean that's how we're going to get to people. But when you do get to someone, they're going to use your digital presence to confirm or deny you. Like, are you decent? Do you have a review? Are you a scammer? All those kind of things. But the real world now, the real world seems like it becomes more important as we move into 2024 and 2025. Right. And I think a mistake I'm seeing a lot of folks make, and I'm not going to blame marketers so much as I'm seeing it a lot with new technology founders. You know, 
creating their web copy exclusively on ChatGPT before they really understand the audience, the pains, all of those things, and then yeah. creating a content engine before you've also gotten there. There's a lot of really bad content. And I think something like 96.55% of pages receive zero Google traffic, according to Ahrefs. <laughs> It's not surprising. It's kind of like AI is to web content, like self-publishing was to the book industry. Yes. It's getting harder to find high quality content, but when you do, that still really resonates and draws people in. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's the marketing is about choice. It's about edit. It's about, it's not about everything. It's about mm -hmm. one thing or two things. And it's, a, you know, it's like the I I watched a you know Project Runway. There was like the guy on there that used to be like, "You need to edit," you know. Like that's how I feel. We we marketers walk around. And we're like, "Get rid of that. Why do you have that? Get rid of that. Why you blah, blah. like like cut it down, cut it down, cut it down." And but you're like cutting it down and creating at the same time. So that's this interesting choice. It's like you live in a 600 square foot house and you only can have so many items. <laughs> so yeah. you're, what items do you really need to to hit your results and get? And how do you surprise and delight someone? What is it that you create that's a visceral reaction? Because if you're not doing visceral in marketing, you might as well not do it. Like you and just might as well not do it. That's a great analogy, especially as somebody who's hit the road for three to six months at a time in a 19 foot RV, you can live without a lot of stuff. <laughs> I have a, I have a similar sized RV. We've done the same thing. So yeah. And, you, Isn't it and it's interesting because you're like in this big, huge house, right? And then you get in your RV and you're like, we've been on this thing for weeks and we're fine. I haven't Who knew? missed it. I need one cup and one bowl. That's amazing. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and isn't it great to wake up somewhere that looks different and has yeah. different features? And oh, it's amazing. Um, like separate podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, yes, I'm an, a surprising RV person because the first time that you know, I told you I wouldn't survive the zombie apocalypse, I also used to think you know a hotel without room service was roughing it. And then we did an RV trip one year, and I was like, this is amazing. I love it. I have my food with me. I don't have to pack and unpack. It's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know folks who didn't take to it the same way. Um, so it's nice <laughs> to find a, a fellow person who can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it. It, it's funny how you said you'd run towards the zombies when the pandemic hit. I had this moment of realization where I'm like, I don't have to commute into work anymore. This is fantastic. I was kind of built more for this kind of thing. I just get a lot of uh, out of it, online interactions and not everybody is built that way. And I Yeah, can... if I'm stuck in my house more than 24 hours, I start to itch. Yeah, and I have a lot of friends that way and I think the vast majority of people were very not having my reaction and people are starving for interaction. So maybe we talk a little bit more about in-person event ROI has changed drastically. Is that because they need to look different? We have different expectations. What do you think is driving that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we last year, the holiday season, people were spending more money on experiences, not things. And if you think about like, the thing I like to go back to too, in 2008, prior to that, like if I were going to buy holiday gifts for someone, I'd buy books and records and yet, well, everything's on my, my phone now. I can get all that stuff there. I don't have to go to a store. And then the pandemic taught me, I don't even have to go to the store for my groceries. Like they can just show up magically too. And I have so many box things that show up. My meat shows up that way. My bread shows up that way. 
So we sort of don't have the same experience of like going, you know, steal meals and stuff. But if you think about that and you translate it to your marketing, well, if people are starving for experience, how do, how do you get them to experience your brand? Yes. How do you get them to experience your brand? And maybe it is you go to that conference, but maybe it is you do something alongside that conference. Like, you know, people are going to be there, but like, let's go pick a really cool restaurant that really represents your brand and do something that's more appropriate or have a speaker or whatever you, I love to vampire conferences. So I don't, I'm going to the conference, but I'm not like, I'm there. I know the crowd's there, but we're going to do something as like a sidecar to it. And if we are going to participate in the conference, I don't want a booth. Like I want to do something else, like something that people are going to remember. So how do you stand out that way? It's really interesting. I think we're going to see more of this. I see some communities now putting on conferences. Um, In fact, I'm helping organize one with the RevOps co-op. What's so exciting about it to me is having been in RevOps in the past and going to things like Dreamforce, it was great to network with people who were like me. But at the same time, I got frustrated with the content because it was shallow and a sales pitch. More 100%. Yeah. You never, I, I rarely, when I go to a conference, go to any of the speaking. Cause I'm like, I don't think you're going to say anything I haven't heard. Right. I, right. they're to network with people. So the more specific and programmed it can be, the better, like smaller conferences, right. more specific, like those are better, just better. Yeah. We're like holding 80 minute workshops and people want that in yeah. this audience. I wouldn't do it for everybody, but, right. yeah. um, and then the off offline experiences where people are going rock climbing or whatever. It's just, it's a game changer. And I think in a good way, because it's delivering the content people actually want. So I think expectations are really changing because of that. And it's also a replacement for like, I mean, here you and I are meeting on Zoom. We meet on Zoom with people all day long. And then all yeah. of a sudden to do an in-person meeting or an in-person thing is is unique where in-person was the thing and then doing it online was unique and we've reversed that. So, you know, you always crave the thing you're not getting. It's like, Oh, well, I haven't had a, I haven't done an in-person meeting in a long time. We should like get in a room together. Right. And then there's this experience or belief that that, that was in some cases can be better experience, but how do you take advantage of the fact that people are starving for that kind of true connection? Yeah. Yeah. And that can be hard for some really technical products. Yeah. It's something to think about. Well, and what could you do within that space to bring totally not self-serving at all? Like, how do you bring together people who don't typically get together or how do you, you know, create something that they're then forever going to remember. And it was underwritten by your brand such that you're getting that halo effect within your context. Yeah. And I had a guest, Colt Reiner, who was talking about thought followship and amplifying other voices in the space and not focusing on what your company is just so smart. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, what other ways do marketers need to change in 2024? Um, I mean, marketers, one of the reasons I like it is that we end up with lots of different things. So you can never really settle, right? We're always having to learn the the new thing. What does that new thing look like? So spending time talking to other people, like I enjoyed the podcast experience with people like you because we get on it. And then like you say something and we haven't predetermined or whatever. And I'm like, I'm thinking the same thing. Right. So like just, 
talking to other people in that space to see if your spidey senses are aligned to what's kind of new and next. Um, always learning, knowing that you have to continue to pivot. I do think uh, we talked in some of the earlier segments about being able to uh, to manage up. So manage up skills. You should be one of the best presenters in your company. You should be able to talk about your mission statements. You know, the tech guy gets up or gal and you expect them or the financial person like, oh, spreadsheets. The marketer should be the one that blows away everyone when they get up and have some kind of internal messaging that makes people sort of, you know, want to hear it again. So yeah. spending time with speaking and presentation and all that, because that's just going to make you better in telling the message even externally if you can can pitch it internally. Yeah, if people aren't proactively asking you to represent the brand in areas you haven't heard of yet, it's something to work on. Join Toastmasters, talk yep. to your customers, figure out where there's a gap because there's something not there. Yeah, I did Toastmasters. Toastmasters was a pivotal change for me in my career. It was a very important thing that I did. Um, yeah, so yeah, all that stuff. And the other, we talked also earlier in the segment about if your company doesn't have a CMO sitting at the C-suite, if it's not you, if because you don't want it, whatever, that's something I would advocate for as well. I think the CMO, CMO is responsible for a huge budget. They spend a ton of money, ton on marketing and technology and people and all that kind of stuff. And then there's not a person sitting at the table who represents marketing. It's crazy. Makes my eye twitch because- crazy. We're doing so much more than just top of funnel these days. Like yeah. I owned enablement. I, there's just so many, which touched everything from top of funnel marketing education through to customer education. Yep. We're not. Cradle just, to grave. Cradle yes, to grave. Yep. Yes. Whole thing. Yep. Yeah. I think if I could snap my fingers and change anything, I would have pe more people listen to a past guest, uh, venture capitalist, uh, Dan Frawley, who said marketing's on the rise. Businesses have to invest in them earlier and they have to figure out how to invest in the right talent for the stage they're in. And I was like, revolution. Well, and what's interesting is I have a, I work with a venture firm as well. And it's always like second and third round raise. And that's when they're talking about spending money on marketing. Correct. That's what I see and too. It's like, oh, now we need to do marketing. I'm like, oh no, you should have already started doing marketing. <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't come to me and I, I don't have a time machine. I can't go back. I need to do it now. Not, not in the future. So yeah. Right. I mean, so much of your credibility is determined by your web presence. And, your, and the multiples you're going to get. Like a lot of companies are sold based on how they tell their story and their message and whatever. Their technology was no better or different than their competitor. They just yes. told the story earlier and more often and people believed it. So they got a higher multiple. It's just a marketing play. Absolutely. Yeah. I I especially get twitchy with the chat GPT website because I think that's where you're driving everyone and you chose to do that. that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you need to see it as a tool. You would don't see it as a it's not an end product. It's not an end product. So yeah. It's not optional either. So yeah. Yep. hundred percent Do it the right way. All right. Well, anything else you wish to tell B2B marketers out there? We're all in it together. <laughs> and lean into your other B2B marketers because we all 
learn things and are seen as an odd bird and whatever, but we're also the best storytellers and we have the most complex thing to do. Like it, that it's just, it's a harder, a harder thing, but it's more fun because there's a lot more moving parts you got to put together. So talking with others about what's working with them, you know, thinking kind of in concert, it's a, I think that's an important part of it. So speaking of which, how can people connect with you? So my platform of choice nowadays is LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me directly, LinkedIn, and you can also go to our website, which is ligerpartners.com. Eric, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Revenue Marketing Report. Please tell two friends, subscribe, download, whatever you can helps. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibervine.com.